Good evening, everybody. Time to begin our service this evening. Tonight we'll have three songs, and then Joe Robinson has our uh, reading and prayer. One more song, and then Chris has our lesson. Our first song tonight is on the overhead only. It's Light the Fire. Light the Fire. If you would, let's stand for this song, please. As soon as the guys get, like, there it goes. I stand to break you, but I fall on my knees. My spirit is willing, but my flesh is so weak. Like next song this evening is Cornerstone. It's also on the overhead only. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest next song before our reading and prayer is Oh Praise the Name. This is a song I've led a couple Wednesday nights. Then the projector wouldn't work so I couldn't do it anymore. So while it's working I'm going to do it again. <laughs> oh Praise the Name. 
Good evening. Our reading tonight will be from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 7. 1 Peter chapter 5, 5 through 7. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject to one another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. 
Let us pray. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity again today to come into your house to study your word. We pray that uh, you'll be with Chris as he brings the message tonight that you might uh, touch our hearts with it, Father, and uh, encourage us and uh, that we might be able to use it in the coming days and weeks ahead to share our faith with somebody that uh, a neighbor or a friend. We pray for those who are sick, Father, that uh, you might uh, be with them, comfort them, Father, and encourage them, uh, be with their uh, doctors as they uh, treat each one, give them the wisdom that they need to uh, uh, just heal each one that uh, on our list. We pray for this country, Father, that uh, we might uh, humble ourselves before you and uh, return to you that you might be able once again to bless this country for all this we ask in Jesus name amen our song of invitation this evening is number 103 103 now if you would let's stand again we'll sing number 531 praise the Lord 531 Praise the Lord, we haven't done for him. Praise and angels in the light. Sun and moon rejoice before him. Praise him, all ye stars of light. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, amen. Singing Cornerstone and Oh Praise the Name back to back is a powerful combination. Love that. Um, appreciate you teaching us these new songs. There's something powerful about singing. Um, there's a reason Psalms is the biggest book in, in the Bible, right? These songs put to words the feeling in our hearts, don't they? And there's, there's power there. It's good. Um, tonight we are walking back through a series we're calling Inside Out. And we're looking at some of the things, some of the attitudes inside of us that, that pop out, uh, that, that exist on the outside, in the, in the outside world. These things live inside of us, but they affect the rest of the world. They affect how we interact with the world. They affect how we interact with God's kingdom uh, and with each other and, and with everything. And so they're, they're inside, um, but they have real world applications on the outside. Of course, Jesus says, out of, the, what? out of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? And so these things begin in our hearts. And so if we have a clean heart, our actions and our words will be clean. But if we're struggling with our heart, if we're struggling with purity inside, then what comes out? Bad actions and bad words. And so I think this is an important series to think through. And tonight we're talking about humility. Humility and its, uh, its enemy. It's, it's opposite, pride, are, are spoken about a lot in Scripture. Um, in fact, Proverbs 6, 
uh, pride is one of the seven things that the Lord hates, right? A prideful look. He's going to talk about pride and humility a lot throughout Scripture. And tonight we're just going to look at a couple of instances in which um, he talks about those things. And hopefully we can gain a little bit of insight into how we can, we can do this better. Um, I think a lot of us struggle with humility. And maybe some of us don't, don't know that we do. Um, I, I kind of wanted to start in Luke chapter 18. Um, we need to meet these two guys uh, that Jesus introduces us to in Luke chapter 18. You're familiar with them. I know you are. This is a well-known parable. It's the, the um, old King James says the, the tax collector and the publican, right? The tax collector and the Pharisee. Uh, but you find it this, this story told by Jesus in Luke chapter 18, uh, starting in verse 9. But uh, basically... Uh, the Pharisee comes up to the temple, he stands off by himself, he attracts all the attention, and he thanks the Lord out loud that he's not like all these hypocrites and, and the adulterers and even this tax collector over here, uh, and he lauds himself. He, he's, he's in this, he's praying this prayer in this place, in the temple, for what reason? So that everyone hears him. He doesn't really care about uh, God. He doesn't care about, not so much at least, God's impression of him. He's more focused on the people around him, their impression of him. But then Jesus introduces us to this tax collector, and he's, he's portrayed at least as to the side, and he, he won't even raise his eyes up to heaven. He looks down, uh, and his, his posture is that of humility. Um, but he's going to abuse himself a bit, and he's going to plead for mercy to God. It's interesting to me that Jesus starts off this parable in verse 9 by giving us what the point of the parable is. He says there are some guys who trust in themselves that they were righteous, and they treated other people with contempt. That's what this parable is about. Humility and how we treat other people. And so it's really humility and how it shows up on the outside. You see, it's, it's an inside attitude, but it certainly has real-world applications, doesn't it? And so, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, there are some warning signs um, for pride. When we're struggling with pride, I, I don't think any of us... At least most of us probably wouldn't say, yeah, I struggle with pride. Most of us think we've probably got a pretty good handle on it, right? You've been coming to church for a long time. Maybe you were raised in a Christian family. Maybe you read your Bible regularly. And so you, you know pride is a bad thing. It's dangerous, right? First Peter 5, God says that he opposes the proud. But you remember how he finishes that? He gives grace to the humble, right? And so... We know that pride is, is a bad thing, right? And so none of us, at least most of us, wouldn't say, yeah, I, I struggle with pride. But there are some warning signs maybe that can help us see if we do or, or if we don't. Maybe we don't. But there are some warning signs um, that, that cue us in on whether we struggle or not. Um, if your car needs some attention, you're going to have some lights that go up on your car, right? Um, those little lights on your dashboard, and you think, what's that mean? I'm going to have to Google that, and it comes up, and you're like, well, check engine soon. Great. So that's a warning sign that something's going on, right? There are warning signs in relationships, right? Uh, if you're always arguing, right, this is a, a warning sign, possibly of a, a potential danger coming up. Um, there are warning signs throughout life. We're familiar with those things. There are some warning signs for pride. So I kind of wanted to, to walk through some of these things that maybe will help us see whether we struggle with pride or not. Back in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going to tell the people uh, in Matthew chapter 5 that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you're not getting into the kingdom of heaven. You're not going to be able to enter God's kingdom unless you can do better than the Pharisees because they look like they have it all together. 
but appearances are deceiving. They look like they're righteous, but on the inside, Jesus had a, had a, had a term for them, didn't he? They were whitewashed tombs. They look really nice on the outside, right? But on the inside, they're full of dead men's bones. So unless we can do better than the Pharisees, unless it's more than skin deep, unless our righteousness is more than skin deep, he says, you're not going to get into the kingdom of heaven. It's a big deal, isn't it? So let's, let's look. Um, and we're going to take a lot of our principles here from Luke chapter 18, uh, specifically looking at this Pharisee and some of the warning signs that had he been paying attention, maybe he could have seen. But certainly now we can learn from his mistakes. I think the first warning sign is superficiality. Um, we fight the sins that affect how other people view us. And so if you're struggling with a sin that is easily recognizable, that has outward evidences of it that people can see that sin you attack it more fiercely don't you you want to put that one to bed this particular sin you're going to eradicate out of your life why because people can can see it what about the sin that no one sees what about the sin that that that's hidden and only you and God know about that sin do you, uh, do you attack it as fiercely as you attack the one that has more obvious consequences? This Pharisee wouldn't have. And in fact, we know that they, as a group, didn't. Jesus made them aware on multiple occasions that their more obvious sins needed to be dealt with, but they refused to look Inward, They refuse to do a little bit of soul searching. And that's really what it takes to root out pride. Because it hides. Our hearts are going to be tricky things, aren't they? And you can actually talk yourself into thinking pride's a good thing. You can actually talk yourself into thinking a lot of sins are a good thing. That, they're, that there's some positives that happen here. Or that it's okay because of fill in the blank, right? You, you've done that. I've done that. Everybody's done that. The problem is when we continue to do that. We have to recognize that we're doing that and then root it out. We have to hunt it down. If I am more fierce in attacking the sins that are public in nature and I ignore the sins that only I and God know about, I might have a pride problem. Because I don't want anybody to know about these sins. And so I attack them. So you can't find out about them. So you can't see the evidences of them. But these sins over here, nobody knows about them. It's just, it's just me and God. And so I'm going to allow them to run amok in my life. I've got a pride problem. I don't want anybody to think less of me so I attack these sins, but these sins over here, these will be okay. I'll deal with them later. You know what that is? You know when later will come? Never. Later never comes, does it? We just always keep petting those sins. We keep coming back to them. And so superficiality is the very first warning sign that maybe I'm struggling with pride. If if my attempts at rooting out sin are only on the surface, if they're only superficial, so that other people don't judge me on those sins, I might have a sin problem. I've definitely got a sin problem. I might have a pride problem. The other thing you see with the Pharisee is, who does he point the finger out an awful lot? It's always other people, right? Go back through and look what he says. We, the words are important in verse 11. Luke chapter 18, verse 11. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men. And he just kind of clumps everybody together. 
And then he's going to get more specific. <coughs> I'm, I'm grateful I'm not an extortioner. I'm grateful I'm not unjust. I'm grateful I'm not an adulterer. Or even like this tax collector over here. This Pharisee looks like he's got it all together, doesn't he? And it looks like to him that he's got it all together too. And that's the problem. He hasn't done any soul searching. He hasn't looked inward. Where's he been looking? Outside. He's been looking at you. He's been looking at me. And he hasn't spent any time looking at himself. That's where pride lives. If, if Satan can force me to look at you and to see your faults, you know what he's taking my, my vision away from? You know what he's distracting me from? All of my faults. Every one of the little idiosyncrasies and, and sinful things, the, the pet sins, all the things that I want to ignore, all the sins in me that hide. If I'm so busy trying to root out your faults and your sins, I don't have time for me. I need to take time for me. This Pharisee hadn't taken any time for him. And so he's, he's just looking at all the other faults of everyone around him. And he hasn't stopped to take account of himself. He only, interestingly enough, only sees the bad even in you. In the people that he looks at, he doesn't see the good. He only sees the bad. That's, that's Satan, and that's how sin works, isn't it? Because if I can blast you, if I can judge you, if I can see and focus on your sin and how bad it is and how uh, much it's affecting your life and how much it's affecting your walk with God, then I don't have to focus so much on mine and how it's affecting my walk with God, how it's affecting my intimacy with Him. See? So a warning sign for pride may be if I'm looking at everyone else and I'm, all I can see is their faults, I might want to take, I definitely want to take a hard look at me and make sure that I'm not struggling with pride because chances are I am. Another warning sign for pride is this, this desperate need for attention. This Pharisee stands... By himself is how Jesus tells the story. He's in the middle of the temple and there are people all around him, but he stops and he stands over by himself as if he's on a stage and he's the actor and everyone's looking at him. He's calling attention to himself. He has this desperate need for attention. He wants to make sure that everyone sees and hears his prayer. He needs that attention. And pride does that, doesn't it? it it's hungry for attention and respect. Maybe we're like the Pharisee, always boasting about what we're doing, or maybe it's our deep desire to always be needed. Maybe we're desperate for acknowledgement in our marriages or in your jobs. Anytime you're wanting people to think better of you, pride is knocking at your door. So those are just a couple. That's not an exhaustive list, just a couple of warning signs for pride. But if those things are going on in our lives, we need to stop and take a good, hard look, not at other people, but at ourselves. This way of rooting out pride demands soul-searching. You've got to be honest with yourself. And honesty with yourself is the hardest type of honesty, isn't it? It's awfully easy to be honest with other people, right? It's a lot harder to take a good long look at ourselves and say, that's not good. That's wrong. That's not what Jesus would have me to say or do or live. I need to change. So those are some warning signs. I think this is an important thing to, to think through too. Humility is not something you're born with, right? This is something you work on. So let, let's go through a couple of these passages real quick. 
Um, you, you don't maybe necessarily have to turn to these, these passages, but I, I do want to draw your attention to them. Mark 10, 35 through 45 is when the apostles, specifically James and John, come up to Jesus and they have a question for him. And their question, you're, you know it. Jesus, we want you to do whatever we ask of you. And as a parent, you got to know like how Jesus answers this question, right? Okay, James and John. Let me, let me hear it. What is this, right? What are you going to say? <coughs> of course, he already knows what they're going to say, but they want to sit one on his left and one on his right when he comes into his kingdom. They want authority. They want power. They want the prestige. They're struggling with pride. You know what's funny? If you go back through and you read these passages, um, you'll find that the other apostles... When they hear James and John talking about this to Jesus, the Bible has a word for the response that the other, that the ten had about these two apostles' questions. It's indignant. You know why the other ten were indignant? Because they got a pride problem too. And they want the power. They want the, the positions of prestige, just like James and John do. But James and John beat them to the punch. And so now they're, they're mad that James and John... Beat them to the punch. Jesus is going to remind them in that passage, this is not how we do. This is not how we treat each other. You've heard that the Gentiles lord this power over each other, but that's not how it's going to be in my kingdom. It's upside down. If you want to be great in Jesus' kingdom, you have to be the best servant. And so the greatest person in Jesus' kingdom is going to be the greatest servant. In John chapter 13, Jesus gives us an example of what that looks like. He washes the disciples' feet, right? It's, you know this. It's the lowliest um, form of service. Not even a Hebrew slave would be um, indentured, would be forced to do this, uh, this act of service. This was a Gentile slave's job if they were present um, in the household. And so when no one does this job, because everyone's too proud to do this job. The master of the universe, the one who holds all things together, the one who created everything, took a towel and bent down and started wiping the dust off these guys' feet. Right? Do you remember why he said he did that? It's an example. He's teaching them. He's not just doing this um, uh, randomly, right? He, he's, he's got an agenda. He wants them to learn this lesson. If I served you, then what? You need to go serve each other. This is something we learn. We're not great at learning it because it's hard, but it's something we learn. First Peter 5, 5 through 7, you heard <coughs> Joe read, read that for you tonight. What's interesting in that passage is he says you put this on like clothes. Humility. You wear it like like clothes. This is a decision you make. But it, in, it shrouds you. It's all over you. Philippians 2. You're familiar with this passage too. Specifically the verses that come right after verse 5. Right? In, in Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Uh, Paul talks to us about um, the, the Jesus divesting himself of all of his glory, all of his deity, and he came to live as one of us, right? What's so interesting in verse 5 is he says, have this mind in yourselves. What kind of mind is that? Well, in the previous verses, in Philippians 2, 3 through 4, 5, he's talking about do nothing from selfish ambition, but consider each other as more significant than yourselves, right? He's talking about humility. And then he gives you this example of Jesus in this incredible act of humility. He says, you need to have that in mind too. This is something you work on. It's not something you're naturally good at. I don't care who you are, what you're given to, your personality. This is something you work on. It's possible to get it though. How much do you want it? That's really the question. It's possible to have humility. It's possible to root out pride. But how bad do you want it? So we got to go to humility boot camp. If we want it bad enough, we got to go 
to humility boot camp. There's a couple of things, I think six things, I think specifically that will help us root out pride. Here's a couple of them. Uh, confess your sins regularly to God. If you're still in Luke chapter 18, you'll notice that the Pharisee doesn't do that. He doesn't do that at all. Whose sins do us? He confess. He confesses everyone else's sins, except his. The one whose sins he should, he should know better than everyone else's. The one whose sins he should be focusing on more than everyone else's. And the one whose sins he should be confessing more than anyone else's. He completely disregards so that he can focus on everyone else's sins. If I want to root out pride in me, I'm going to have to start confessing my sins to God. Turn over to James. James chapter 5, verse 16. The second way I think that will help us as we think about rooting out pride is confessing our sins to each other. We need to be held accountable to each other. Obviously, this is something um, you do with someone you trust, right? Let's be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. So I'm not saying go tell your, 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 your deepest secrets, the things that can hurt you to everyone. But I'm saying find someone that you trust who's a member of the church and invest in them and allow them to invest in you. James thinks that that's a good idea. By inspiration, he says this in James 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. James says you need to confess your sins, not just to God, that, that's necessary, but to one another. There's a different component we gain by confessing our sins to one another. We gain an accountability partner. We gain someone that can hold us accountable, someone who can push us, someone who can call us or meet us face to face and say, how are you doing? No, no, really, don't get me fine. How, how are you doing? So we need to confess our sins to God. We also need to acknowledge our sins to others. We need to learn to accept criticism from other people. Obviously, the Bible's a big fan of this. Uh, in Proverbs chapter 12, uh, he, he talks a little bit about accepting criticism. How wise people do that. Only fools would turn aside from a rebuke. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is, there's that word we shouldn't say, stupid. He who hates reproof is stupid, right? But the one who loves discipline loves knowledge. Man, that's hard. When other people criticize you, isn't it? It's difficult to hear that. You know the funny thing? Usually, there's a grain of truth in there, isn't there? Somebody may be out to just hurt you. They may be out to, to, to take you down a peg or two or something. But usually, when people criticize us, at the very least, there's a grain of truth in something they're saying, right? And if we're introspective enough, if we're willing to search our souls enough, we can find that grain of truth, can't we? And we say, yeah, they were, they were probably right. Well, they were definitely right. And, and this is a problem in me. And this is something I need to change. We've got a friend in Tennessee who's been preaching for 50, 60 years um, but he, he does this, uh, he's an expert on criticism, at least that's how I refer to him in my head. <laughs> is, uh, so he will, when criticized, he will say the same thing to everyone. Um, and so if you come up to him and say, you're just a terrible speaker, and I, don't, I think your theology is awful, he'll say, I appreciate your thoughts uh, on this, and I will pray about it and get back with you. I've heard some people say some truly nasty things to him. And every time, I appreciate your thoughts on this. I'm going to pray on it and get back to you. I've heard some people say some very kind and generous things to them that were criticisms. Well, I appreciate your thoughts. I'm going to pray on that and get back to you. That's how we ought to be, isn't it? Let me think about what you said. It hurts, doesn't it? 
when someone criticizes us, our immediate reaction is either to lash out or to back up and completely disregard what they say. But usually there's a grain of truth in there. And so that makes sense, biblically speaking, it makes sense, doesn't it, to search ourselves and to be willing enough to say, yeah, there's, there's probably something in there that I can grow, some way that I can grow in this regard. The next little bit that will help us root out pride is to serve other people. In John chapter 13, this is where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. It's the example that he's given for us. It's the command that he's given for us. But serving people takes the focus off of ourselves. That's what pride likes. It likes to focus on me. It doesn't like to focus on you. It likes to focus on me. And so if I can take the focus off of me, that's going to take, uh, my pride's going to take a hit. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, the Pharisees were, were giving alms. They were giving money to those who were in need. But do you remember what they did? It wasn't so that the needy could have help. They needed it. But that's not why the Pharisees were giving, was it? It wasn't because the Pharisees' hearts were, were torn because of the poor, although they should have been. That's not the reason they do this. It wasn't because God's heart is with the broken, although it is. It wasn't any of those things. They gave so that people could see their good deeds. Jesus says, you've already gotten your reward. When you give, disciples, you give in secret. We don't serve other people so that people can think good about us. We serve because people need help, because our hearts hurt for them, because there's a purifying effect to serving, to service, and because Jesus told us to. So we choose to serve others. We are quick to forgive. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus tells this parable about these two servants. One that was uh, owed a mountain worth of debt and was forgiven by the king. And that servant leaves and he goes and finds a servant who owes him just a couple of dollars. And he refuses to forgive that debt. Forgiveness is one of the things that really seems to show our humility because Someone has hurt us, right? And it's me in forgiveness, acknowledging that a wrong was done and then releasing the right to repay them for the wrong. Forgiveness is a denial of self. And anything that denies self inflict, inflicts a wound on pride. So if I'm quick to forgive other people, Really forgive. Not just say the words and hold a grudge, but to really forgive. That's a sign of a humble heart. Last thing for Humility Boot Camp is cultivate a grateful heart. Um, often we struggle to be grateful in certain situations, don't we? If things haven't gone exactly the way we want them to, we might struggle with gratefulness. We have to insist on finding things to be thankful for. If I'm searching for things to be thankful for, my pride is going to suffer another blow. Those are just a couple things. It's not an exhaustive list, right? But it is a couple of things that will help us root out pride. But at the base of each one of these things is an honest, introspective look at me. Just spending some time looking at my heart and my motivations and rooting out those things. Because pride is sneaky, and if you don't watch it, it'll hide in every crevice of your heart. A couple of days ago, we, <laughs> Ethan made a mess a couple of days ago. <coughs> it's probably not surprising to anybody. We, got, we had these, uh, these little popsicle sticks. You probably had them when your kids were little. Um, but they're all different colors, and there's about 3,000 of them. And he takes the, uh, the bag of them and goes, and throws them everywhere. And I was, I was watching them. I was like, oh, no. 
This is terrible. And so we start picking them up. And I didn't get to them right then. And so we start picking them up an hour or two later. Um, and we pick up the, the big bulk of them, right? But we started looking around for some of them because we were missing several. I thought, this, there's no way this is all of them. So we started looking for them. And they're on windowsills. And they're under couches. And they're under, they're under and around in every crevice of our house. They're, they're on other floors by this point. They're inside shoes. We had to really do a deep dive to find all these things. You know what you look, or you know what you find when you start diving deep into your own heart? You're going to find the bulk of the sin, right? You're going to find the sins that, that are e- easy to identify and that affect your life on a daily basis. That's the bulk. You're going to find those and you're going to deal with them, right? They're going to be kicked out. And most of us, might be tempted to stop there. Pride isn't going to be in that big bundle. It's going to be hiding under a couch or in a shoe in one of the deep, dark crevices of your heart, and you're going to have to root it out. You're going to have to find it. It's going to take a deep dive to find this thing. But if you allow it to stay in your heart, it'll ruin everything, won't it? Just like any other sin. There's nothing special about this particular one. All sin likes darkness. All sin likes to hide. And all sin multiplies and replicates faster than, than you can imagine. And so if you don't deal with it, it'll, it'll take you down. The good news inside of Christ is that doesn't have to be the case. You can have all those sins washed away. They can all be dealt with all at once and be wiped away. And he no longer holds you accountable for them. But then you have to deal with them. You have to find a way to eradicate these things out of your life so that you can continue to be righteous, so that you can continue to be holy. Maybe you've already been baptized tonight and you're struggling. We want to pray for you that you can be everything that God would have you to be. If you haven't been baptized into Christ tonight, that's the the start of this relationship with him, to have all these sins eradicated, to have them washed away like they were never there so that he doesn't hold you accountable. If you have any need tonight, won't you come as we stand and sing? Good evening, church family. 
couple announcements before we are dismissed. Um, as a reminder, this coming Sunday, uh, after services, Life Group 1 and Life Group 5 will meet uh, after services for lunch. And then uh, on August 20th, Life Group 5, I'm sorry, Life Group 3, that's Jeremy's Life Group, will meet uh, for lunch after services. Also, uh, don't forget to pick up an apple on the apple tree in the middle foyer for the preschool. Uh, this coming Tuesday, August 8th, um, for the Devo, the boys will meet at the Knapp's house and the girls will meet at Portia Davis's house for a pool party and hot dogs. Um, also, Friday and Saturday, August 11th through the 12th, a camp out at Lake Suvius uh, State Park. Uh, it's pre-K through 12th. Uh, bring your own tent for that event. Remember, continue to keep John Klein in your prayers as he has more tests on August 14th. Uh, keep Jimmy Wilgus in your prayers, Sean Maynard, Jim Haney, Amber Spitzer, and Tanya um, Chamblin in your prayers as they deal with uh, their cancer treatments at this time. Uh, keep Steve McLeod in your prayers this week as well um, and his family. And also keep uh, Merrick in your prayers. That's Joe and Sandy's uh, granddaughter. Um, that's all the announcements I have. Uh, if you had not had the opportunity to take the Lord's Supper, it has been prepared in the conference room. You may leave and do that now. We'll sing one more song, be dismissed in prayer. Our last song this evening is number 841, Sing and Be Happy, 841. If the skies above you are gray, you are feeling so blue. If your cares and thirsty grain all the whole day through, let the silver light that shine in the heavenly land. Look by faith and see it, my friend, trust in his promises grand. Sing and be happy, press on to the gold trust. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we come to you now thanking you for this beautiful day that you've given us, this time that we've had today to come together to worship you and to sing praises to you. Father, we do pray that what we've done here today is well-pleasing to you and is according to your word. Father, we thank you for Chris and the lessons that he's given us today that we will 
apply it to our lives, that we could be better Christians and be a better light in the community for you. Father, we do pray for all the ones that mentioned uh, today, the ones that are on our hearts, the ones that are dealing with medical issues and has appointments and uh, so many illnesses and cancer that you'll continue to be with them, strengthen and encourage them and be with the doctors that administer to them. Father, we are thankful and for all the many blessings that you do give us, that you'll continue to be with us this week as we go into the world, that we will be uh, Christians and be a shining light. Father, we thank you for all you do for us, and we especially thank you for Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>